0: Welcome to episode 267 of Panelology,
1: I'm Alex. And I am Brian. How you doing this week, Brian? Uh, busy, busy, busy. So say we all. Uh, yeah, we got uh, solicitations recorded uh, a couple of nights ago, and then uh, yesterday, like, all of the reading I managed to get done for the whole week got done... At some point yesterday.
0: (laughs) I, on the other hand, read... I think I read two books last night. Three books last night. Yeah. But, basically, yesterday I did more things than I have done in any given week in the last year and a half. Uh, But I saw in the Heights. It was fantastic. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Uh, Strongly recommend that, which has nothing to do with comics. So, let's... Change the subject. Okay, let's do that. Eve number two. Written by Victor Laval, art by Joe Mia Young, Colors by Brittany Pierre, and Letters by Andworld
1: Design. We learn more about what is going on in this issue. Uh we do. I think we get uh uh even maybe even more than in the first issue, like the the kind of the the rules a little bit of how this is working.
0: Yeah, like, we got, issue one was really our introduction to Eve herself, yep. and sort of her status quo. This issue tells us, maybe not exactly what has happened in its entirety, but sort of what her role in what is going on is. Yeah, kind of the bullet
1: points, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. It tells us what her father's role in this world is, what the uh, robot teddy bear really is. Mm-hmm. Her father's, like, Kellex style personal assistant. Yep. And it introduces a wrinkle I did not expect, Brian. There are zombies
1: in them thar hills. I mean, essentially, yeah. Yeah. Zombies, ghouls, classify as you will. Yes. Yes. N- no longer human somethings that want to kill people that are still alive.
0: Yeah. Uh, former former humans who are infected by a virus that makes them just eat and eat and eat first food, then other people, then whatever, like, concrete and shards of glass and whatever they can get their hands on. Yeah. Basically, eat till they die.
1: I, I, I was gonna say, I do like this take on the zombie virus. Yeah. That, it, that, that's all it does. It just makes you hungry. That's all it took. It's a metaphor for consumer culture. Let <laughs> yet another way we destroy ourselves. I love it. Yep, take that, Wally. <laughs> uh, you know, because you gotta have you gotta have multiple plans for destroying your yourself. Otherwise, uh, you know, one of them may not work. <laughs> right. Yes. Oh, I love it. No, I I do like this book though. Again, super pretty. The colors are beautiful in this. Um. I'm I'm digging how they're progressing this. I love the idea of preparing someone to accomplish this thing by training them in a computer-generated, you know, essentially a VR. Yeah. Right? So they learn all the skills that they need, so that when they actually do wake up, they're ready.
0: It's a rehearsal matrix. Exactly. Exactly, but now I agree with you. This book is gorgeous. I I love that we also get the like kind of, uh, creation myth element layered in here. I think that's, if nothing else, a fun literary device. Yes, to build yeah. in. Uh, but you know, it gives us that bit of insight into Eve's father. Is like he kind of views himself as godlike, which you know, maybe maybe we don't totally trust him after that.
1: Yeah, and. <laughs> You know it's definitely one of those things where there's clearly things he's not telling the rest of his research team right right, and that's always that to me that's always a really, really hard, gray area in stories because you get their motivation sometimes of why they feel like they can't, but it seems to never turn out well either,
0: yep, yeah, Batman, urban legends number four. We have a one-off story about Batwing called Superman Punch! Uh, <laughs> written by Camras Johnson, with pencils by Loisum Kize, inks by Trevor Scott, colors by Andrew Dalhouse, and letters by Troy Pateri. Uh, if the name Camras Johnson does not immediately ring any bells for you, he plays Luke Fox on Batwoman.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Luke Fox, who the day this issue was announced, uh, it was announced would be becoming Batwing on the show. Nice. Yeah. And I really like the way
1: he writes Batwing here. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say, I really enjoyed this story.
0: It's a version of Luke that still feels contemporary to what John Ridley is doing with Luke and Jace and the Fox family, Mm -hmm. but feels a little less angry and a little less
1: like the antagonist role that he's in. I get the impression from this take that he feels more betrayed than he feels like just pure anger. Yeah,
0: Yeah, we get an insight into like, as younger children, Luke and Jace actually working together and complimenting each other and making up for each other's strengths and weaknesses, right? Like, they Mm -hmm. worked as a team, as kids. And this story is basically framed as a way in, a way in which, like, that helps Luke deal with the Riddler. But it's a little sad to see that that's not the case now. I also love the setup of Luke versus Riddler, and Luke being faster at solving these riddles than Batman in a way that really irritates the Riddler.
1: Yes, and then and then totally just like short circuit shortcuts all the rest of them that Riddler has set up for him. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like yeah, I'm 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 not playing this game. Can we just like I'm just gonna go outside the boundaries and come to the last step here? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I like Good. the art team here. Loisa Mkuse is a South African artist, uh, who. I'm not familiar with his comics work, but I did a little Googling just working on show notes, and, Mm -hmm. like, he does a lot of portraiture and is really, really talented. Like, I strongly recommend checking his stuff out.
1: Like, well, this is wonderful. Like, this is exactly the... I mean, this is spot-on for me for superhero art. I love it. Yeah.
0: We also have part one of three of... Some of Our Parts, starring Tim Drake. This is written by Megan Fitzmartin, with art by Belen Ortega, colors by Alejandro Sanchez,
1: letters by Pat Brousseau. Um, I really liked this story and where it's going, I think.
0: I did, too. Uh, Megan Fitzmartin wrote the Robin Eternal, uh, Future State story, if memory serves. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that, like, a lot of what we've seen come through urban legends and backups in Gotham, this means that, you know, in a few months' time we'll have a Tim Drake ongoing, or Tim Drake's story will fold into what's going on in Batman in some way. Yeah. Uh, This is very much about Tim sort of figuring out again who he is and what he wants and what he wants to be. Right. Like
1: we we, we had the whole question of you know at one point he was going to go to IVU right yeah and you know and this guy this was way back from early in rebirth right
0: yeah it was Tynan's Detective Comics run
1: yep and um you know he made the decision that he didn't want to do that and then right after that is when you know the whole drone killing him thing happened and yep you know uh, Mister Oz and that whole thing um. And since then, he's really seemed to have this question about who he is and what he wants to do, right?
0: Yeah, and I think yeah. it's it's good that we are, it seems, building toward an
1: answer to that. Yeah, it it almost seems like he's just been thrown from, you know, with, with uh, Young Justice and all that. He's just been thrown from one thing to the next and kind of hasn't had that time to stop long enough to to figure this out.
0: This is also the first time we're getting to see, for Tim, the kind of uh, uh, pre-Flashpoint, post-Crisis time jump get integrated back in. We see characters from his history who did not exist after Flashpoint until now.
1: Specifically Bernard Dowd.
0: Yeah, who... Like he he at one point addresses Tim as Tim Wayne and I'm like, wait a minute, when when did he go by Wayne? And I guess in the New Fifty Two he never did, but before that right. he must have.
1: hmm Uh yeah, and this is this is somebody that he knew in his days before he even got adopted. So yeah. Yeah. Kind of think childhood friend, right? Yeah.
0: And there is uh the chaos monster stalking Gotham, kidnapping people, and ultimately kidnapping Tim's friend. Uh I like positioning Tim and Barbara together in this, even if even if it's just Barbara on comms, because Mm -hmm. they do have that sort of same computer technical savant thing going.
1: I've got mixed view. They're really positioning Barbara right now as mom for this group in a lot of ways. Yeah, both here and you know, in dealing with Red Hood and a lot of the stories that are happening. Like, which I, I do get, like, she has always been kind of the caring part of this team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I want to make, I, I hope they don't take that too far. But anyway, Well, here, you know, I think we're seeing a couple of things, and I think your concern
0: is valid. Yeah. Part of it is, we've moved Barbara,
1: we. Yeah, right. The creative teams. I'm glad we could be part of this, yeah.
0: Have moved Barbara back into something closer to Oracle, right? Oh, sure, sure. She can go out in the field, but she is, in story, hesitant to do that because she doesn't know how her her, uh, implant that lets her walk will hold up to that. It's not the same safe, stable one that she'd been on prior to this. And she has some choice. She has autonomy in it, but she is hanging back more. She's also, she's being Alfred. I mean, oh, in a yes real way, she is doing the job of Penny One on comms. She is playing the caretaker in a way to the entire bat family and i think for me the balance works as long as she is as long as she retains autonomy and what she does
1: does not just serve other characters plots and that that, you're exactly right and that was that is exactly where my concern is yes
0: but i think she also has an emotional intelligence that a lot of the other bat family members do not this is definitely true and absent alfred it makes sense to me to
1: have her try to fill that role to some degree. No, I, I don't yeah. disagree. And like I said, I'm I'm not against this. I, I, there's part of it that I really like. I'm they, Again, I just hope they don't take that too far, and that's all it becomes.
0: Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, we also, of course, have to check in on Red Hood and Batman in Cheer, Part 4 of 6, written by Chip Starsky, art by Eddie Barrows and Ebert Ferreira and Marcus Toe.
1: Colors by Adriano Lucas and letters by Becca Carey. I really given um especially what happens in Gotham Future State, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, it really makes me wonder if this is almost kind of set up for that. I had the same thought. I really like this this issue this this
0: chapter, uh because it gives us, I think a version of the Jason and Bruce death of Death in the family. Fallout that feels more like it is moving toward a resolution than what Mm -hmm. we normally see. Yeah, And even recognizing comics will never totally resolve that because comics. Also reading this and then reading Future State Gotham, which sees Bruce and Jason displaying an amount of trust for each other that is I would say uncharacteristic of the two of them. Yes. This does feel like a direct line from how do they get
1: from where they've been to how do they get to that point? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, you're talking about that whole death in the family and the you know the red hood and that whole that to me that always seemed like a, that always seemed like kind of a a Batman comic political issue that like no one wants to really resolve it because they want it to just be out there so they can keep referring to it. Yeah. Well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like. To move past it is to accept that Death in the Family is a dated story that was wildly problematic in the first place, and certainly becomes even more problematic through the lens of 2021. Uh, So to to move past it, you kind of have to let that touchstone go, and I get people don't want to let it go, but Mm -hmm. it's okay to let it go. It's okay to tell new stories and to move past old ones. And... I like this for maybe at least hinting that that's possible.
1: Me too, me too.
0: Our last story in this issue is Grifter in the Long Con, part four of five, written by Matthew Rosenberg, with art by Ryan Benjamin, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by Saida Timofante. God, I love Grifter. I love Grifter so much. This whole book, like, every, this is a perfect creative team for this character. I agreed, yes. It looks and feels like a Grifter book the sense of humor in this book is fantastic and not just in the writing but like the timing of uh (laughs) grifter has hired deathstroke to help him stage a fight to trap batman temporarily just to keep him out of his hair grifter of course does not know that bruce wayne is batman so batman's not going to show up because bruce is going to be at the same event that lucius fox is going to be at that grifter is late for but they catch someone and then in a great example of this comic timing uh this fist in a blue sleeve just punches through this big steel trap and it sets up grifter and Superman.
1: yeah yeah it it completely does yeah guess guess what else this this uh this little short story has in it brian's quote of the week quote quote yeah, so um, so Superman punches out of this thing and is chasing Cole <laughs> through the city, and we have his uh, his lovely person on uh on comms, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, "What are you talking about?" And Cole's like, "Superman, Superman is trying to kill me," and the voice is like, "Whoa, that's bad. Is he hot?" <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> that's what your takeaway is from your ass that's what you really what you're asking me right now yeah of course he's hot he's like the most attractive man i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> i just I, I yeah i i just can't
0: i love it i also appreciated the kind of like almost billy tone that uh rosenberg wrote superman within this where it's like every time
1: i come to this city it's something <laughs> yes yep (laughs) i i I, one of the things that that cracks me up is how often batman is just like no you don't know gotham you you know what just leave and let me take care of this and superman's like all right peace out Yeah, soups away. <laughs> yeah,
0: DC Pride number one. I am gonna do the same thing I always do. Just point out a couple of these that I really loved. But again, everything in this was fantastic. We could go through these one by one, but Brian hasn't read it yet.
1: Yeah, I'm. I am super sad. The, it, from History, you guys know how much I like anthologies, and like every single one of these anthology books recently, I just haven't been able to get to because it's either, you know, three or four other books or that one. And I'm right, yeah. So,
0: pointing out just a handful of these that I thought were really fun, unexpected by the Victors, which is written by Steve Orlando with art by Stephen Byrne and letters by Josh Reed, Uh, Constantine. Starts to hit on Extrano in a bar. Extranio was the first gay character in DC Comics, as I understand it. Kind of a problematic portrayal at the time, but handled really well here. And Extrano proceeds to tell the story of the time that he and Midnighter went on a mission together to fight a Nazi vampire who wanted to use magic to rewrite history to change Achilles and Patroclus to cousins instead of lovers, thereby going back to, like, the oldest romantic gay couple in mythology and erasing them. Uh, and it's just fun, weird, over-the-top, almost like Silver Age magic. Yeah, Super cool. We had Try the Girl, written by Vida Ayala, with art by Skylar Patridge, colors by Jose Villarubia, and letters by Ariana Marr. Uh this is a question story starring Renee Montoya uh who goes to save this this I think she's an ADA running for office or or maybe she's running for ADA and is in a lower position. Uh someone who she like ends up on sort of the opposite side of in the courtroom but uh, is just a total badass who like by the time Renee gets there has sort of saved herself. And I want to mention this one because uh, one, these two are adorable together, and she immediately figures out the question is Renee. <laughs> but two, it seems like maybe it's setting up a thread we might get to revisit that I hope to hope we get to revisit because instead of a the end, it does have a just the beginning kind of tag at the end of the nice. story. Okay, yeah, and I I'd love to see some more Renee Montoya around, and if this is Vita Ayala's audition, I say let them write her uh he's the light of my life written by sam johns art by klaus jansen colors by dave McCague, and letters by tom napolitano is touching back on the uh alan scott obsidian relationship and alan's having come out it is about Obsidian and his boyfriend having dinner with Alan Scott. Uh, the boyfriend has not met Obsidian's dad yet. And it turns into this like really nice moment between Alan and Obsidian about why Alan chose to come out now. And sort of his experience having lived in the 40s having to be in the closet. Yep. Clothes Makeup Gift, written by Danny Lore, art by Lisa Sterl, colors by Enrica Aaron Angiolini, and letters by Becca Carey. This is, uh, Jess Chambers and, uh, oh shoot, Andy Curry. Andy. I was blanking on her first name. This is about Jess Chambers getting ready for a date with Andy Curry. It starts with Andy teasing them about how, like, oh yeah, you're a Flash, you'll be late. Flashes are always late for everything. <clears throat> And just trying to make the date on time. I, that, I
1: absolutely love that.
0: Yeah. Um, I have hit just about every single one of these at this point, but I'm going to name a couple more. Uh, date Night, written by Nicole Maines, art by Rachel Stott, colors by Enrica Aaron Ancelini, and letters by Steve Wands. This is about Dreamer, the character from Supergirl, written by Nicole Maines, who plays Dreamer on Supergirl. And, uh, Brian, you may or may not have an answer to this for me. I, okay. I, I know Legion is kind of a blind spot for you too, Mm-hmm. but Dreamer is based on a Legion of Superheroes character. I do know that is true. Yes. Does that character's power set have a tie to the Dreaming from Sandman?
1: Oh, I don't think, and I know certainly not originally, because that character existed way before right. Sandman did.
0: Yeah. Uh this was a fun story again it's kind of it's a similar kind of premise like dreamer has to deal with uh some villains before she can go to her date with brainiac 5 and it's a lot of fun like the two of them on comms together are fantastic but at one point she mentions that like or an editorial box mentions that like her powers have a tie to the dreaming it was like I did not expect that angle, but now I really need to see that explored. What does it look like if a superhero is tapping into that as an energy source? I love that idea. Um, that was a lot of fun. And then the last one in here, I'm going to mention too because it's 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 called Love Life. It's written by Andrew Wheeler. Art is by Luciano Vecchio. Colors by Rex Locus, and letters by Becca Carey. This is the the debut, maybe. Hopefully, we get more of uh, JLQ, which is the all. Uh, LGBTQIA plus Justice League team mm-hmm. Uh, I mostly just want to see more of this team so I'm mentioning this so that if you two listening want to see more of this team maybe you go pick this book up and then tweet about wanting to see more of this team at DC Uh, because DC has said this book's sales will determine whether or not we actually get more of this team. Yay uh, Rainbow Capitalism. Alright. there it is yeah (laughs) oops i made it a bummer (laughs) (laughs) the six sidekicks of trigger keaton number one written by kyle starks with art by chris schweitzer and now for something completely different
1: oh my god yeah this was completely different episode one martial art
0: (laughs) what happens if an even bigger asshole than chuck norris turns up dead after abusing all of his sidekicks for his entire career
1: yeah, okay, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't the only one who totally put that this was Chuck Norris, right? Yeah,
0: like, okay. absolutely.
1: Okay. I do not know if Chuck Norris has a
0: history of actually physically assaulting stuntmen on set.
1: Right. I don't know. But, but I mean, clearly that was the, uh, let's say, the starting point for this character. If anything right. else, yes.
0: Like if if this is everything, you know, turned up to eleven past eleven, then the knob's broken off, the the starting this is the Chuck Norris dial. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: Um yeah, and um yeah, this guy shows up dead and hung specifically, and the police just write it off as a suicide. Uh because, you know, he has had this long career and although successful and that, you know, he keeps getting TV shows and movies and stuff, uh, uh, it's not well received and he's certainly had his problems and he's basically been alone, you know, his whole life. He always says that it's, you know, that's what he wants. But, uh, you know, the, the, like I said, the police write it off as a suicide and his latest sidekick, um, uh, uh, comes, comes out and <laughs> I love this had to go to police boot camp for, like, six weeks to learn all of this forensic stuff for this show that they were going to do. And, like, had to go to visit body farms and, like, learn all this forensic. And, like, uses that to say, oh, yeah, by the way, he was murdered.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And the cops are like, leave this to the real police. Yeah. (laughs) So he starts recruiting other former sidekicks who all hate.
1: All hate. Nope, not all Trigger of them. Trigger Keaton. Well, okay. Five out of six sidekicks agree. Five out, of si- five out of... I was about to say the same thing. Five out of six sidekicks agree. Uh, um, Trigger
0: Keaton is the worst.
1: Yeah. Well, and specifically, if you know the hit, So, it, it, his career apparently started out with, the, the, like, the first sidekick, who was this guy, Paul Hernandez. He was a kid, and played this kid named Tough on the show. Mm-hmm. And... He was like he he hated the fact that uh, that Trigger would actually punch the stunt people because he wanted the fights to look real and like hurt them. So like he wouldn't do that, and so Trigger called him a wuss and had him fired and replaced him with somebody. He apparently did like a nationwide search to find this guy and found somebody that was basically a bully. Yeah, yeah, and surprise, surprise, that guy loves him. <laughs> There's always one. There's always one. Yeah. Uh, there's there's definitely some Kyle Starks flavor in this. Um, oh yeah. The the idea that that second one, by the way, ends up not becoming an actor but becoming a stuntman, <laughs> and all of the other stuntmen hate him because he likes Trigger Keaton so much, and Trigger Keaton was like you know their worst enemy of stuntmen. Yeah. So they get into a fight and it's stuntman wars
0: What's a stuntman
1: war? It's a it's stunt like a war <laughs> but with stuntmen. That's like one of the most Kyle Stark's things ever.
0: It immediately made me think of hobo war. Ex- yes, exactly. Uh, admittedly I, I, I don't remember if that was actually a thing that happened in Rock Candy Mountain, but it feels like
1: one. It does feel that's why I said it, it feels very like very Kyle Stark. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The other one that I love, the other one that I just want to point out is the third one, the third sidekick. <laughs> no, but none of the other sidekicks even recognize him because the way he was the sidekick to him was essentially it was a Knight Rider TV show, uh-huh. and he was the voice of the car. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, and he hates when <laughs> people call him by the car's name. It's like, no, I'm not the car. I'm me.
1: Yes. Will you
0: say the thing? No, please don't make me.
1: (laughs) Oh, so good. I love this. I I really, really, this was just fun. It was. Yeah, I like it. I like it.
0: Brian, are you ready for a Heroes Reborn roundup?
1: Let's do a Heroes Reborn roundup.
0: Alright, first up we have Heroes Reborn number six. The main story here is The Last Utopian meets The Last Son of the Gods written by Jason Aaron art by Enrique Dirso, colors by Jason Keith and letters by Corey Pettit so we're, since
1: yes yeah, since i decided that we're i'm going to i'm going to do my my big revelation of who all these characters correspond to during our big kind of wrap up after <laughs> this uh-huh. I won't go through all of those now, but suffice it to say, there are quite a few more this week that, that, that make an appearance. <laughs> well, and I
0: also think this is notable because it's really the first time one of these main features in, mm-hmm. in the Heroes Reborn series has involved a member of the squadron meeting a member of the Avengers.
1: That c- Correct, that is true.
0: So we've got... Basically, Heroes Reborn 7 this coming week, and then Heroes Return, which is a one-shot following that, the next week. So, this feels like we are moving toward things coalescing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) if you have any doubt about who Princess Power, who this character is, um, all I have to tell you is that she really, really looks back fondly on the time Uh, during World War II when she fought with Namor and, like, they were lovers.
0: (laughs) You know what, though? Namor, I'm gonna say it, and I recognize this is probably a controversial opinion. Definitely better than Steve Trevor.
1: I I won't argue with you. (laughs) Hey, just from a character's point of view, he's certainly far more interesting. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're not wrong there. Far more interesting Far more shirtless. Far more shirtless. Like, let's be honest, there ain't nobody more shirtless than Namor. Maybe the Hulk. Mm, I don't know, because he's Bruce Banner sometimes.
0: Well, and even if we discount Bruce Banner, I can picture Mr. Fix-It in a button-down. So, yep. Most shirtless still goes to Namor. Yeah. Yep. I, love, I love her axe. Her axe is forged from a yes. shard of the Rainbow Bridge. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. I I I do love how they have positioned this character. Like I think it is maybe the best take on the you know a Justice League character but then twisting it because yeah. it's it part of it is something we have actually seen from Wonder Woman before. Mhm. Right? This this like losing control in... Not, like, just battle lust, but, like, so frustrated with things that, you know, that's just the way I'm going to deal with it. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> I love the the setup of uh, she punches off Thor's beard. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I will not explain how that moment happens diegetically, but it does! And uh, props to Jason Aaron for working that one out.
1: I <laughs> like, yeah, like, oh my god, that was that was kind of beautiful.
0: <laughs> and our backup is called Drunk History, again written by Jason Aaron. Pencils are by Ed McGinnis, inks by Mark Morales, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by Corey Pettit. This is kind of the story of Gore the God Butcher, but how it goes down if not Thor. If not Thor.
1: Um, Can I say two things? One, first of all, just congratulations, slow hand clap for the uh, title here. Yes, drink history. Uh, the second is just that very first page of this backup story, where one hundred percent they were paying attention to what's going on in Wonder Woman right now with that backup story. Uh huh. And just had the little girl, <laughs> Princess Power. Yeah, <laughs> like that was that was that was spot on. That was beautiful.
0: Yeah, I mean the the. Timing could not have been better for Jason Aaron to do this story and have Wonder Woman tied to Asgard, uh, because DC has done it right now, too, so it's so easy to see that connection. Yep. Yep. Yeah, DC. Marvel. DC. Marvel.
1: DC. DC yes. Marvel. Yes, yes.
0: The walls of reality are blurring, Brian. <laughs> they are, aren't they? Also, it's nine A.M. and I haven't finished my first cup of
1: coffee yet. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. But yeah, this is essentially us a- seeing Thor drink his way through all of the major events that have happened that he would have been a part of. Yeah. Yeah, and but because he was just being drunk. Because he was being Avengers drunk Thor, then um, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> you know, Power is uh is there. Yeah instead. Yeah. Heroes Reborn
0: Night Gwyn. Written by Vita Ayala, art by Farid Karami, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by Corey Pettit.
1: Oh my god. God, I love Vita Ayala. This is just this may have been my favorite book this week. Like it was so good. Yeah. Um and I, I I'm I'll be honest. I'm having trouble matching this character, not because I can't think of who they match to, but because I want to match them to, like, four people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, we get some night nurses. Uh-huh.
0: And we get, like, the idea that Gwen is at least honorarily one of them. Right. But she's also, like, not Harley Quinn, but Harlene Quinzel, maybe? Definitely. And um, also...
1: Stephanie Brown.
0: Stephanie Brown with a little bit of Spider Man in the mix.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Uh, it does cement my, uh, Renee Montoya, uh, as yeah. Misty. Misty is Renee, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, you know what? I had never really thought about the idea of Misty and Gwen as a couple, but I am so here for it now.
1: Uh, it, certainly in this context, it works. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, again, just loved this story.
0: Yeah. We also have Heroes Reborn, Squadron Savage. Written by Ethan Sachs, art by Luca Pizzari, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by Travis Lanham. So I'll be honest, going into this, this was probably one of the one-shots I was like the most, okay, that's fine, I'm reading everything else, I'll grab this one too, about. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's a bunch of characters who I just kind of don't care about. But you liked it, didn't you? And it's doing a Suicide Squad thing, which mm-hmm. historically is not
1: my favorite. But yeah, this was really fucking good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really good. And by um, the way, I am not going to say it here, but the um, the Amanda Waller character is the most perfect spot on casting they have done that
0: was for, like in the whole the, thing. Well, because it's not just Amanda Waller, it's exactly. also,
1: Correct.
0: it's also, uh, oh shoot, what's his name? Uh, uh, Maxwell Lord. Thank you. Yes. I was like, Phil Lord, no, Phil Lord and Chris Miller wrote Lego Batman.
1: <laughs> no, Maxwell Lord, yes.
0: Maxwell Lord, thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, I was about to quote Wonder Woman 1984 again, if you hadn't come up with the name. <laughs> Glad I did me too um the thing i love the most about this is and i'm not gonna say what it is but the alternative to a bomb in the brain i
1: knew that's what you were gonna come up in a
0: literal sense Mm -hmm. that this book uses to keep this team together because somehow it is more twisted and more
1: effective and i love it and yet could be argued to be more humane.
0: Okay, Maria Hill, whatever I, I, you say. I mean, Do you want I, Nazi Captain America? This is how you get Nazi Captain America.
1: I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just, I said, there, <laughs> there is, and I only say that because you know that there are people who would find that argument and use it. Oh, I'm not I know. saying I am that person. Maria Hill was one of them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly, yes. Ask yourself what would
0: Maria Hill do and then do the opposite. It always <laughs> works. Daisy Johnson, Daisy Johnson can run shield. Maria Hill? Maria Hill's a little too Machiavellian.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh no, but uh, again, I, me too. I loved this. This was a lot of fun. Yes.
0: Meanwhile, at the Hellfire Gala, we have Excalibur number 21 written by teeny Howard, art by Marcus To, colors by Eric Arseniega, letters by Ariana Marr, and design by Tom Muller. Uh I would say of of the Hellfire Gala issues so far, this is the one that I think feels the most like just another issue of Excalibur.
1: Yeah, it it is it's 100% just a it it is cuz it's Totally focused on that team, mm-hmm. but it's just, oh, because this thing's going on, this is what that team's doing right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I like the way that it uses that event to move the political intrigue from really the first arc of Excalibur mm-hmm. forward, and, like, pick up some of those, those things we've seen post uh, Ten of Swords, and move that all toward a new... Status quo. Uh, I like that it kind of becomes this really stressful event for Richter that pushes him to do something rash.
1: Mm-hmm. And I kind
0: of, I kind of like that Pete has to, uh, pay the piper for being aloof and political and playing more bureaucrat than hero.
1: Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. He definitely a surprised for that.
0: Not to say he deserves what he gets, but I like oh, that there's no, no, consequence. No. For it, like it's a result of his action.
1: It it is, and the result of that action is certainly going to be a big problem. Going, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's not going to be a good thing. Yeah, the, like they are absolutely just basically pushing about four buttons to to up the 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 badness level. Uh, you know the the tension level, the 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 drama in this yes. all at the same time.
0: Uh... I also want to mention, we have, I believe, our first instance of uh, mutants obeying one particular law of Krakoa and making more. Um, Brian and Megan uh, Braddock. Uh, Megan, oh, Ryan. yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You are correct.
0: Brian does not yet know, but of course Nightcrawler does. does.
1: (laughs) I loved that scene; that was so wonderful.
0: As soon as she turns down the the champagne, and he's like, "Oh, it's not like you to turn this down." I'm like, "Oh, I know what's happening."
1: Yeah, oh yeah, that was instant. Yeah. Yeah, Brian does not. Brian is dumb. Well, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, (laughs) and the the fact that she Megan is there in this essentially, you know, uh, uh you know, medieval print you know, courtly dress, right? Yeah. With her wings, with her fairy wings. And Nightcrawler just appears in his, you know, corsair wonderful outfit. Like it just is like the most <laughs> fitting. Like these two are just cosplaying at this point. Come on. <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I love it.
0: Gambit's costume also suits him very well.
1: It does. It does indeed. Uh, and and we get our first, like, even before the, which we're about to get all of them, but we get our first actual in-comic revelation of who one of the X-Men is. Yeah. Yeah. Because it comes from this team.
0: It does. It is rogue.
1: It is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I love that uh, Jubilee's like, so uh, Gambit, are you jealous that she got in and you didn't? And he was like, nope, i must stay home and take care of the cats.
0: <laughs> I love the idea of Gambit just, like, hanging out with a house full of cats. <laughs> it makes me happy. I also see him, like, throwing out cat treats, and every now and then he just lights one up a little bit, just so it kind of pops, just to startle the cat.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> Stay away from there. Pop. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love it.
0: <sighs> then we have X-Men number
1: 21. And this is, this is the one that is, uh, again, I am now totally convinced that the red issues are the actual gala issues. Yeah. Right, that are, well, like. This is this is what you read if you want to read what's going on in the in the gala,
0: yeah, yeah. And uh, I want to point out just a few things as we go through. So I'm just going to kind of flip through, and maybe if you want to do the same, Brian, we can hit some highlights.
1: Yeah, because there's there's a lot that happens here. Yeah.
0: So the first thing I want to talk about is Charles and uh, Eric approach Namor to yeah. once again try to get him to join. Come to Krakoa as a mutant, but also join the council. There will be some openings, and uh Namor basically says, I think if I stepped one foot into your council chamber, there would be a rush to surrender a seat to me, even if one were not available. Frauds tends to flee at the sight of a true aristocat- aristocrat. I'm a real king, Eric. Never forget this. So uh things remain tense. But then, Brian, who does Namor... Uh, skulk off to join
1: uh the Avengers.
0: no the oh body. no
1: no you are right no it's it's the it's who the defenders it's the it's Illuminati a, the Illuminati right yeah yeah that's what I, I was trying to think I, I was like it's not defenders who was who is the secret it is organization it was the Illuminati yes it is yeah, yeah
0: Hickman's Illuminati roster
1: yes yeah well the other thing I, I think you missed something that's going to be key here is one of the things he says to them is I rule 70% of this world meaning yes. the oceans right oh. and you guys you guys rule what an island call me you know reach out to me when you have something more to offer. Yeah. Which I think is 100% a a pure softball setup for when they announce the, oh yeah, by the way, we're going intergalactic and we're going to own. <laughs> well,
0: And this is a good segue to yeah. Brian because my dumbass realized something this week. What's that? If you flip over to the title page, what is the Hellfire Gala logo? Oh, it's you... a big red circle. It's fucking Mars. Uh...
1: And on every,
0: like, end page that shows the reading order, you get, like, the Mars coming over the horizon version of
1: the logo? Yeah. That's fair. You get Uh, the Illuminati
0: on the page because that's a tie-back to Hickman's run that set up the idea that all these materials are on Mars to terraform
1: it? Even... uh, No, okay, never mind. I was thinking it was something else, but I think think that just says X-Men. I was looking at the Krakoan Lettering. Oh, in the top left? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that just says X-Men. We're not going to talk about the fact that I've gotten to the point where I can parse Krakoan some. <laughs> I don't recognize all the symbols, but I recognize enough of them to...
1: Yeah, what What I love is you know somewhere like in the CIA and the, or whatever, they 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 have a person who now has decoded all of Krakoan yeah. and just reads it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. It will be gone from my head within like six weeks of when this run ends, whenever that may be yeah but I do the same thing with like the dupe language when dupe is in a book, like I'll recognize enough of those symbols to to get at it. Least short phrases, yeah parse,
1: and then the, I guess the next thing we get in this is the election of the x men
0: yeah, and I like how they do this. It's not a it's been done, and they're sitting on the results in a briefcase that some accountants have handcuffed to cyclops. They connect everyone's minds and everyone argues their own case and then people just kind of get behind those cases and ultimately they end with a roster.
1: It, it it's like a mutant conclave where they kind of like electing the pope, but like they do it like in like 30 seconds because everybody's just connected mentally so it happens that fast.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I love it. Um yeah. The other thing I love is I love so Stephen Strange uses his mystical powers to kind of tap into it. And so he can just hear what's going on. Obviously, he can't participate. Uh, But uh, I love Johnny Storm is like, I don't know, man. Listening in on their conversation just sounds wrong. He's like, no, no, no. It's completely open. They're not hiding anything, they're just doing this and celebrating, you know, who they are and all this. And he was like, Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so I mean, I'd love to know what it is, but it still feels wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then we get our uh, roster reveal: Rogue, Sunfire, Wolverine, Sink, and Polaris.
1: And Wolverine being Laura Kinney, to be specific. I was
0: gonna say yeah. my favorite, my favorite panel of this is the Wolverine reveal. It is Laura Kinney who is like off to the side, who has kebobbed some shrimp on her claw, yes. and is like <laughs> munching on one when her name gets called out.
1: Yep. I love it.
0: And, of course, they join Cyclops and Jean to finish out the team. Yeah. We get another round of uh, Red Diamond Sinister Secrets, which Mm -hmm. are always fun. Those are. don't know that I've parsed anything out of that that's exceptionally tricky.
1: Uh, I don't think so. It feels like there's one or two nuggets in there that probably haven't. Made sense yet, but yeah,
0: yeah. Um, we get more real people cameos that are cool, but at the same time, like a lot of the the there are a lot of people who show up in this. I'm like, I know this is a cameo just because clearly it's drawn to be someone's actual appearance, but like I have no clue who the fuck
1: y- yeah, I'm the, I'm the exact same way. I was like, I don't think I know who these people are.
0: I I recognize George R R Martin in in this one, but that's about it. Yeah. Oh, there's a Kevin Faggy uh, cameo oh, in here. Too. Yeah, that's fair, yeah. And then we get the the beginning of the big reveal before we cut to black before seeing that reveal. Um, And again, I would point out, like, Emma's kind of gesturing to what I'm pretty sure is Mars out in mm-hmm. space. I think so. And then, see on that last page, Brian, the, the kind of Mars over the horizon I do. that I'm talking about? I do. Yeah, I, uh, it's Mars. Yeah. Mutants are going to Mars. So, Mars uh,
1: needs so, mutants. so if so if they own a island and the entire planet of Mars, do you think that would be enough for uh, <laughs> Neymar?
0: Maybe, maybe yeah. they might need to throw in some Shiar colonies to to really wet his whistle.
1: Maybe the other thing is I've always noticed that that the Hellfire Gala symbol, right, That uh-huh. trident and the and the H. It also looks like the of,
0: Justice League Watchtower.
1: Yeah, Well, or like, kind of like a spaceship of some sort. Yeah. 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 Anyway, all the things. I like it.
0: Yes. And then we have Children of the Atom number four, written by Vita Ayala, art by Paco Medina, colors by David Curiel, letters by Travis Lanham, and design by Tom Muller. So this one's a little bit of an oddity. It is, uh, yeah. It is listed in the Hellfire Gala reading order, and it's about the gala. But I think, and I say this because we looked at uh, August solicitations recently, I think actually the Hellfire stuff's going to be happening for a couple more issues in there. uh, Because I think the number six solicitation talks about them actually getting into the gala. Right. Uh, So we, this may be a result of just that delay we saw this series get earlier this year, where it jumped from like April or February to April. Um it's still, I think, a really solid issue. It still is dealing with the idea of the gala and can they sneak into the gala? Can this be how they get to prekoa? Um, uh, we learn that uh Gimmick Gimmick tries to come out with her powers to uh oh shoot, uh
1: what's Benny. His name?
0: To Benny, yeah. I was trying yeah. to remember his codename. Uh um, Marvel Guy. Marvel Guy. Uh she tries to tell Benny about maybe having some kind of mutation at the end of the last issue. And everyone keeps teasing them, treating them like they're a couple or something even though he is ace and she is gay. Mhm. And like it feels like a kid moment. It doesn't feel cruel or malicious. It's just like a "What are you two doing in here?" and like they kind of let it be. They they don't buy into it. They don't like play into, "Yo, yes, we're a couple." They just like let the teasing mask the question so they don't have to answer it. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's a fun issue.
1: It is. And I, I do, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love this book. I do have one concern about it, though, and that is they are, they are leaning so heavily on this that they aren't mutants but want to be and that everybody thinks they are, right? Mm-hmm. That I'm worried that it becomes the only thing this book is going to be about. And once that happens... What is it? Where does it to go from there?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. I think that's a valid concern, but at some point, it's also kind of the tension of this book, right? It like, it,
1: it, it is, and that, that's my point. Is I yeah. I at, I hope, and I don't get me wrong, I trust that I trust this team to know that 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 is the case, and to have something lined up after that, right? Yeah, but, but that is the tension of this book right now. So yeah, you know, yeah. I, and we have not seen what may be after. So, I'm not concerned yet. It's still early. It's There's still lots of time to, to for this to play out. But, you know, that that is entering my thoughts at this point.
0: Sure. Um, I think that makes sense. Like, we're learning more about what their powers might be, where they might have come from. Like, we actually get a montage of them trying on different powers before each one... Ends up with what they end up with, mm-hmm. um. So like, there are some questions there. Uh, how did they go from these kind of like space weapons to actually seeming to have control of these powers? As powers, um, we get the tension with gimmick. Maybe actually having mutant powers. What does that mean for the team if she can go to Krakoa and they can't? Right. Uh, we also see uh. Day crawler or nighty night crawler. Uh, it would seem actually rally the X Men to come help them out when they get captured.
1: Yeah, definitely. Which uh, yeah, this is exciting.
0: Was not a beat I expected, and I am super excited to see what comes out of that moment.
1: Me too.
0: All right, is it still good, Alice in Leatherland number three? Alice's friend slash boss decides it's time for her to get out there and get some. Uh, Because that way lies healing, and she realizes maybe, maybe that's not what's best for her. Mm -hmm. Wind, number seven. Uh, You know who you don't want to fight at sea? Vampires with a submarine. Oh. Batman, the detective, number three. Ryan.
1: This is how Bruce originally found uh, Henri Ducard and trained with him, and now is arrested for his murder
0: detective comics number 1037 this is about how bruce wayne gets framed for murder and arrested and maybe blown up
1: <laughs> uh i also
0: want to mention there is a backup in this issue called three minutes written by john ridley with art by dustin Wynn, colors by john kalish and letters by tom napolitano uh this is A flashback to an early mission with Bruce and Dick as Robin, the first time that Lucius is brought on board as part of the team, and really sort of retroactively sets up a motivation for Lucius that feels very much of a piece with where he is in, like, the whole magistrate order in Future State. Mm Mm-hmm. Basically, he will stay on and agree to do this, but only because, one, he doesn't trust Bruce not to get Dick killed, and two, he knows if Bruce does this once, Bruce will do this over and over with more kids. All right, then. Far Sector number 12. Uh, Joe deals with the escalating... uh, Tensions is the wrong word. The the space cops are going to try to blow up the protests. And she manages to de-escalate it, and maybe, maybe there is a happy future for this planet. Future State Gotham Number Two. We kind of teased this a little bit earlier, but Brian, is it still good?
1: Uh, yeah, it is. It's still very good. Um, this is um uh, essentially Red Hood confronting the rest of the Bat family uh, now that Bruce Wayne Batman is gone. Um, and then we get that conversation between jason and bruce that we talked about earlier yeah uh and then finally um we get jason and what looks like he's gonna have to team up with uh the new batman in spite of the fact that he wants to arrest him and bring him in
0: jason jason coming this fall on cbs oh boy the joker number four Brian,
1: um, this issue may be more than any other shows that this is really a, um, I, I guess they just didn't think that a Jim Gordon series would sell as well. Yeah. Because this is a Jim Gordon book. Uh, and, um, all I'm going to say is I, I hope Barbara's implant is still working. Okay.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, in the punchline back up, uh, the Queen is dead. Long live the Queen.
1: Yes.
0: Justice League, last ride number two, Brian.
1: Well, it's certainly the last ride for Aquaman.
0: <laughs>
1: um, Dark Side cleans house of some little blue infestations, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, yikes. Not great he, at guarding their own asses. No, they're not. Um God, Darkseid is wow. Um Dark Side and, is. Dark wow. Side is, yikes. And w- w- Wonder Woman just has like the best casual take on what's going on in Lobo and all that. I love it. Rorschach
0: number nine. Uh we find out who might have been working with Uh, the assassins from issue one, the answers start to come out. Wonder Woman number 773, Brian.
1: Yeah. Uh, we get the resolution of the Asgard arc, uh, which is, um, Wonder Woman talking and, and basically working things out and finding out what's really going on between, uh, the Asgardians and the Valkyries. Um, and then at the end journeying back to olympus to find things not in good shape no uh and our backup um young wonder woman uh presents what she found in the cave uh and then fi- and then is g- i guess given doesn't find is given the missing pages and let's just say um I think he's going to learn a, a big lesson about how gray the world really is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The Good Asian, number two. Edison investigates the uh, body that he found at the end of issue number one and finds out that his sort of adoptive father figure isn't probably telling him the whole truth if he can trust the adoptive sister who does not like him. Amazing Spider-Man, number 68. Uh, lots of dead folks running around alive, and lots of alive folks who may be dead soon. Spider-Man, Spider's Shadow, number three. J. Jonah Jameson saves Peter from the symbiote, but who's gonna save the world from an army of symbiotes? Strange Academy, number 11. When a student is murdered and falls to pieces. Only one duck can solve the mystery. Howard the duck. As though there were some other duck that Marvel was going to call in to solve the mystery. Like name name a second duck. Yeah, right. This week's books. Tell me about Compass number 1, Brian.
1: Yeah, this is a uh this is a new series by Robert McKenzie and Dave Walker uh with the art by Justin Greenwood. Um this is about um a, a uh, someone who is a, as they describe many things, a scholar, cartographer, astronomer, mathematician, scientist, explorer, adventurer, and would need to be a two-fisted fighter. Um, but yeah, this is someone who's uh, during the Islamic golden age who sets out to become kind of a, uh, uh, almost like a Middle Eastern uh, Indiana Jones. Awesome. Is after the secret of eternal life. Yeah, it sounds really, really cool.
0: Cool. We have Static Season 1, number one of six, out this week. Written by Vita Ayala, art by Chris Cross and Nicholas Draper-Ivy, and letters by Andworld Design. Uh, I think I have probably made my case for this book enough times already, but I am super excited for it. I think it's going to be gorgeous. I love this creative team, and I'm so excited to have Static and the rest of Milestone coming back.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's going to be cool.
0: How about Jupiter's Legacy Requiem?
1: I mean, I don't need to say a whole lot about this. This is the sequel to uh, Jupiter's Legacy, Mark Millar uh, writing, and the uh, art and colors by Tommy Lee Edwards. Uh, this is going to be, uh, the, you know, the sequel to Jupiter's Legacy, and that's that's very exciting because that book was so good.
0: We have Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number one of eight, uh, from this little-known writer, Tom King. With art by Bilqui Evely, who fucking fantastic. Yeah. Colors by Mateus Lopez and letters by Clayton Cowles. Uh I don't wholly know what I expect from this book other than for it to be gorgeous. And we'll see what happens from there. Like, I don't know what Tom King's gonna do with Kara.
1: Yeah, you know, like, it both excites me and terrifies me. Yes.
0: We've seen her in space with swords and with crypto and like I think I think there is a lot of of fun in those ideas. I'm curious to see where the story goes, but no matter what happens, this is going to be gorgeous.
1: I I do love how Tom King takes these. I don't want to say little known characters because they're all well known. Yeah. But um, let's say less used characters in a lot of cases, and like really writes just a fantastic little yeah. story art around them. I, I think it's great. Anyway can't wait brian yeah
0: save yourself
1: (laughs) this is this is from boom this is a a book that is um this this one's interesting this is um the question that it asks is what if magical girls weren't earth's champions so
0: (laughs) there's this
1: trio of magical girls who show up and and save the world right and like they're everyone's heroes everybody loves them etc but um somebody finds out maybe they aren't the what they seem and the best thing for us who knows yeah but that just sounded like a super cool uh, uh premise for this
0: yeah captain america annual number 1 gives us the next chapter of infinite destinies this is written by jerry duggan with art by marco castiello and vincenzo acuñso colors are by ruth redmond and letters are by joe caramagna uh the first part of Infinite Destinies was, I think, really well executed, so I'm excited to see what we get here. Jerry Duggan is no slouch, mm-hmm. so I uh, I think this is going to be really solid. Yeah, We have Demon Days Mariko, number one. Story and art are by Peach Momoko. The English adaptation and dialogue are by Zach Davison, and letters are by Ariana Marr. Uh, This is the second part of Demon Days. We had Demon Days X-Men a couple months back. It was gorgeous. It was such a great read. This is the exact same creative team. This is basically just chapter two of Demon Days. Cannot wait.
1: Yeah, that was such a beautiful story. I can't wait for Mariko's story.
0: And of course Planet Size X-Men number 1 written by Jerry Duggan, art by Pepe Larraz colors by Marte Gracia and letters by Clayton Cowles. I expect this to be kind of the the big turning point, the yep. big
1: the big uh, the big reveal.
0: <laughs> the parapetia of uh, the Hellfire Gala. Ooh,
1: Alex pulled out the big thesaurus for that one.
0: Yeah, breaking out some uh, theater criticism vocabulary. Go wow. me,
1: jerk. All right.
0: Reversal, that's the word I wanted. All right. I just got it in Greek before English. <laughs> Well, that means it's time to end the episode.
1: Yeah, it does. That's it. We'd like
0: to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. Panelology is a member of the Certain POV Network. If you're looking for other cool podcasts about popular culture, go to certainpov.com. You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com, support us at patreon.com slash panelology, get merch at bit.ly slash panelologymerch, capital P, capital M, or send us your questions, comments, or whatever at bit.ly slash panelology mailbag, capital P, capital M. I'm Alex.
1: And I'm Brian. Go read comics.
0: POV.com.